The Jen, Gabe and Chewy podcast is sponsored by Celsius Energy Drink, and I am here to tell you it makes a huge difference in my mornings. With a unique blend of essential energy and key vitamins, Celsius is your partner to an active lifestyle. My favorite, the peach vibe. Learn more at Celsius.com and pick up Celsius Energy Drinks today. NFL positional coaching is getting out of control. Why is that? I think I've reached my moment of, all right, maybe we have too many assistant coaches. Maybe the NFL has a little too much money that we're paying somebody for this. You ready for this, Chu? Yep. So Sean McVay, Super Bowl winning coach, one of the most respected coaches in the NFL, right? I mean, a couple of years ago, if you talked to Sean McVay, you were getting head coaching interviews. Uh, He has hired... A game management coordinator, John Stryker, is the new addition to the coaching staff with the title of game management coordinator. And what that means, according to McVay himself, when he was asked what Stryker will help him with, quote, not to use my timeouts in the second half until I need to. We didn't have somebody else on the staff that could already handle this? What's the quality control coach doing on game days? Uh, I don't disagree with that position because clearly there are some coaches that need that guidance. And I'm sure. thinking of Dallas. Yeah. McCarthy's always been a, uh, I mean, we, so, uh, I, I wonder if this stems from, uh, Kyle Shanahan. What do you mean? Not knowing the overtime rules in the oh, playoffs or when it sure. comes to the Super Bowl where they don't have to worry about it. Because I, I always thought. And typically, most teams had someone in the booth watching the replays or whatever, telling the coach, yes, replay it or don't replay it. Yeah. That I've known they had. But, I mean, there are so many rules, rule changes, and things like this. Um, and I don't think – is there a cap as to how many coaches – I don't think assistant so. coaches you can have on an NFL team? No, there's no – I mean, there's no coaches union where you can only spend X amount of dollars. That's why yeah. the Packers can spend what they did on their – um, you know, special teams coordinator and Rich Basaccia. You can have as many, as far as I know, you can have as many coaches as you like. Now there's rules on how much those coaches can have contact with players during the offseason. Yeah. But other than that, I don't think there's a restriction. But I agree. I mean, from, yes, could someone else take over what this coach is going to do? I mean, because there's got to be an analytics guy. Right. Telling McFay, like, ah. Uh, Fourth and three on the plus 45, you should go for it, right? There's got to be a guy like that saying, what do the odds tell me? Sure. So, I mean, if if it's unlimited and they got the cash to do it, then sure. Game management it. coordinator to help with timeouts? Like, you can't just, like, learn situational awareness yourself? Yeah. Like, how has it gotten to this point with NFL coaches? That they're just hiring a coach to help them. I wish I could just hire a coach. If there was a coach you could hire, if there was like a personal assistant, because that's basically what this is. Is this not? Is no, this yeah, almost like McVay's correct. personal personal game day assistant? But Gabe, it is also someone to fire when they screw up. <laughs> hey, this guy told me to do that. You're gone. Another fire layer. Him. Just it's another, another layer of protection. Oh. Wouldn't you like that on the show? I yes. don't know. I couldn't say that word. Rudy over here, who's the broadcast management specialist. Told me I could say it. Well, but here's the thing: like, you, how much more insulation do you need on this show? If you say one of those words, you're not to, you, you're not supposed to say. 
I get yelled at because you said it, and Joshy will get yelled at it if he doesn't dump it. Like, you've already got that protection on the show. I think Joshy's got the toughest job. Am I right, Joshy? Uh, it can be. If I follow if I follow the rules, it's fairly like, easy. Hold on. We had a perfect example on the show already. Earlier. Okay. Gabe couldn't hear, talk, nothing. Oh, not my fault. <laughs> not it's my Joshy's fault. fault. <laughs> yeah. Touched a button back there somewhere. I mean, you were given the obvious signals because I couldn't hear you. Yeah. Tap into the earphones. I got nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you could understand what I was saying. Yeah. All right. Can we can we make Ashy our game management coordinator? What More things Ashy? blame well, him. So well, here's hold on. Can you just tell me what he does? <laughs> no, for I, I, I mean, we technically have. Well, we got a lot of bosses. Okay, so in our little space here, Gabe, we have three. Uh, yeah, and then if you, I mean, technically, technically four. I mean, if you want to go as high as Craig, we could probably have five bosses. Well, you got scowls in there, too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So uh, the level of bosses we have, and the crazy part is, like, you, you've at some point have heard all of these voices on ESPN Milwaukee. So Ashton Rotman is the executive producer of ESPN Milwaukee. So he is, like, the first-level boss, right? Then above him, we have Brian, Brian D. D. Does Marquette College Game Day still for us? What's his title? Uh, he is director of content. Okay. So then we have Greg Scalzel, former host of Scalzel and Brust, who's right above him. So I guess where does Evan fit in? Where does Evan fit in? He's Evan's above Greg. Yes, he's above. He's above Greg. Because he's VP. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good call. Ho, ho, ho. Yep. So he's after Brian before Scals. No. So he's after. So you have Scals, who's the market manager. Technically, I guess in the organizational chart, Evan, who we have a meeting with on Wednesday this week, is above him as the vice president of content for the entire company of all of Good Karma Brands. And then, of course, you can hear Evan each and every weekday on Unsportsmanlike right before we jump on the air. And then Craig Karmazin, who's on our show each and every week. And then the Sunday Karma as well. So we have five bosses, Chew. We is have that five. normal for people? Five bosses? Seems like a lot. Seems like a lot. lot. Seems like a high... I think we have a lot of bosses. Yeah. Well... Chu requires a lot of bosses. <laughs> that is a very valid point. <laughs> Wait, so is it Chewy's fault that we have this Nothing many bosses? Nothing has been more think... true on this show than that right there. <laughs> I think... And I think I've offended all of them at some point in time. <laughs> uh... Craig, Craig definitely, Evan. Evan just wants to pick fights with me. Yep. I don't know why. <laughs> I think the only one you haven't defended is Scouse. He laughs at me, though. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Like I don't he know. He just laughs at me. I don't yeah. know what you would, what you could do to offend Scals. Yes. Yeah, because he just laughs at you. I think this is informative. I think, I think Angie needs an underboss, somebody that you can report to before going all the <laughs> way up the chain to her. Deal with Chewy <laughs> buying two pairs of shoes on Amazon. Yes. Like, deal with the mundane BS yes. before it gets to the. You know, she'll come in when it gets to the. You know, the higher end things. Uh-huh. Like, can I buy this? You know, five hundred bottle of wine or whatever. But yeah, I, I think you, maybe you need a second boss at home, too. I mean, when you get called into the principal's office or the boss, should you know what you did wrong? <laughs> I mean, I think you would typically have an idea. Yes. Okay. Like when Holmgren <laughs> called me and Brett into the office. Okay. We, we had no idea what we did. 
You, you now, did? Granted, we did my TV show a little drunk, <laughs> but I didn't think that was wrong. Seems seems like the boss at the TV station might have an issue with yeah. that. I don't know why Holmgren would care. Oh, because you're representing the Green Bay Packers. And if you look back, yeah, Fine. okay, on a on a on a scale of one to ten, it was a six point five seven. Sure. Were were you snitched on for having drank on your TV no, show? No, he watched it. Oh, so oh he, he, was just, he was just able to <laughs> watch. It. He was just able to watch and see one of the that best, you were intoxicated. One of the best sell jobs ever by number four. Great, because the problem is Brett was grounded. Okay, but he wanted to have a few pops, so he said, "Hey, have me on your show. I'll have our Cato Kalen bring some beverages, and we'll just sit there and hang." So it was actually a really good plan. Until the homegirl decided to turn the TV on while he was laying in bed with his wife. Hold on, <laughs> your really good plan to to have beverages was to go on TV. <laughs> but it didn't have the beverages on TV. It was no, just a, it was the excuse. Yeah. It was the excuse to break Brett out of his Here, grounding. I think just in general, if I'm trying to get away with something, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to be on TV at all or on the radio. I thought it was a good sell job. <laughs> you know who was a little bit involved in it, too? I don't want to dime him out, but I will. <laughs> Who's that? That works for our station. Homer? Homer? I don't think he imbibed at all. No. Vinny Vetrano. Really? Was... Vinny used to work for Channel, what's the CBS in Green Bay? Five. Yeah, Channel 5. Yeah, I, so I knew Vinny used to work up there, but so he was a he was a part of allowing you and Brett to go on the well, air on to, intoxicated. Do you know who if, John I wish, was? I wish Vince did have a show right now. I want to steal him, and I want to know what his recollection of this would be. Well, he was an understudy. You know John Mino. Uh, uh yes, I've I've heard him talk. I've heard he Vince was tell the stories. host of the show. Okay, that me and yeah, and I think Vinny at some point in his career, this is almost 30 years ago, was under Mino's purview. Okay. Yeah. He didn't do anything wrong, but... All right. He was, he he was, was just around. Uh, kind of guilt by association yeah. a sure. little bit. Yeah. Which, which feels like a lot of things that happened back in those days. Because Holmgren called Mino. <laughs> and, and he, what? So we asked, hey, were my guys having a couple pops before they went on? Yeah, so he dimed us. He dimed us, but Brett, what a sell. How many beers did you guys have? Two? <laughs> I think it's two, maybe. It might have been no, no more than three. <laughs> Why is two always the number people go to when they have too many? <laughs> How many have you had? Two? <laughs> Just a couple. Like, But he bought it. Does, does having two do you any more than having four? For someone my size? Oh, yeah, size? four's double two. <laughs> That's double right. the amount of beers. But if Chewy has four or two beers, I'm expecting the same level. Now, when we get to like eight, I start going, oof, okay, well, yeah. that's uh But four is like, I mean, how long were you guys there? How long had you guys, like at that point, it's kind of like, yeah, I can understand. I don't think two's doing you much service. Yeah, but he bought it. That's all that mattered. Are you sure he bought it? Oh, he did. Yeah. I want to call him. Are you ask. sure he bought it, or did he just not want to see you in his office anymore? I think Mike and just decided. Was a little, Mike was a little naive at times when it came to oh, things okay. like that. 
Is it possible it was naivete by design? Ah! Could be. We didn't get punished. What would a typical punishment for you look like? Let's say let's say you, you told the honest truth on how many beers you drank. You don't have to tell us how many you had before you went on this TV show. I'm just saying, let's say you were honest, and he decided that's enough for you guys to get punished. What is the punishment? He'd say you're not going out after the next game. Okay. He was more of a dad than he was a coach. Well, he had that, you know. Yeah, you, he had that father-like figure yes. where you didn't want to disappoint him. And, yeah. Okay. All right, that makes sense. Like, Gabe, I throw a cat after we blew up my parents' front seat when I had my learner's permit with an M80. Yep. threw the cat in there and with a little catnip, and my parents bought that. That was a horrible story. Do you think the parents bought it, or are they just exhausted because they had four of you in their family? No, I think they bought it. <laughs> I, I, th- I really think they bought it, because I told a story to dime my brother out. Well, because the thing is, I feel, as I've gotten older, and I think of some of the, the different little white lies that I've told my parents over the, you know. Yeah. You think you're clever, you think you get away with it, but also I think the parents just reach a point where they just don't care. Yeah. There's like, fine, we'll, we'll accept whatever you told us. Like, because here's the thing, Chew. Like, you probably thought you were a really clever kid. Yeah. I guarantee your children think that they have done some things to pull the wool over your eyes. But in reality, you're just like, I, I don't have the strength. And you oh, just bought whatever they were totally selling. Totally now. Yeah. Totally now. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, kids aren't actually as clever as they think. Like, I was not as clever as I thought I was in high school. Mm-mm. No, it turns out, big dummy. Yeah. Huge dummy. No, I dimed Angie out like her, her parents were in town. Wait, wait what? <laughs> what? You yeah. dimed your what? That's supposed to be your ride brothers. or die. Listen, she had older brothers. The parents went on a vacation somewhere for the weekend. So the older brother called up Angie and said, you need to come pick me up at this party. I don't have a ride home. Well, Angie was like 14 years old, took the parents' car, picked them up, came back, hit a deer, <laughs> totaled the front of the car. <laughs> Took it over to the body shop at 14 across the street, said, fix this thing, and if any of you tell my dad, you're going to be on my list. And they never knew. They know now. First of all, that's shout out to Angie for having that intimidation factor at 14. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big shout out to Angie, your wife, for at 14 being able to go to her parents' auto body shop and going, hey, fix this, don't tell my parents. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. awesome. That's pretty good. Um, Josh, if you could have a game management coordinator in your life, what would it be for? It's pretty boring, but I think it would probably just be somebody who can remind me when I'm supposed to do stuff. I have a calendar. Uh, I don't always put things in there, and I should. Um, And it's just like simple, like, oh, you need to be leaving now. I also get distracted, like at home if I'm doing something, need to go somewhere. Next thing you know, I'm already late because I haven't left the house yet. It's more more of an assistant, I think, is is probably. Well, but again, I feel like game management coordinator is a fancy way of <laughs> yeah. saying it's Sean McVay's game day assistant. Yeah, like tell me, hey, you need to time out right here. <laughs> Step back. You got to go somewhere. You need to be home. You need to go pick up food. Whatever. I think that's the equivalent of uh, an uh-huh. NFL coach needing timeouts. What about you? That makes sense. Yeah, like things. Even though I have a list, I will forget things at the grocery store because uh-huh. I yes, won't like put. Yes. I won't put the things like. In order of the way I, yeah, yeah. of of the aisle I'm going in. So, like, I write it down by the recipe that I'm using, right? So, 
you know, I might need, I've got three different things that I'm making throughout the course of the week, and I might miss, you know, the cilantro I need for the last thing while I'm in the produce aisle because I thought, oh, okay, I got everything on this list. So, Turns out I didn't. All it is is a Kato Kalen. Yes. Right? Yeah. Just an organizer, somebody to help give yeah. you a little bit of direction, push you in the right direction. Nothing wrong with that. If you could choose between, let's narrow this down to, you can have like a chef slash dietitian, you can have a chauffeur, or you can have just like a, a personal trainer. Which of those things do you think would make the biggest impact in your life? Personal what trainer. F- what was the first one? Chef. Like a. Sh- I need more of an organizer. What do you and mean? I'm with Gabe. Like the grocery store is a train wreck for me, and that's why I go every day <laughs> because I forget three things, and I'm like, ah, I'll just get it tomorrow when I go. Well, that's so. That's with my new house. Like yeah. I have a grocery store that's like three blocks away, two blocks away. Yeah, just I'm, right I'm just walking over there and grabbing stuff all the time. Yeah, all but I'm time. guessing I have more time in my life than you guys do. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, I'd the, say that's fair. The whole re- retired thing. Like, I really have nothing to do after go work out. Sometimes I just go walk around Home Depot because it's fun. You're just taking laps in the Home Depot? Like the old people used to take laps in the mall yeah. here? People are doing that again, by the way. Oh, are there. they? Oh, yeah. Are they really? We got some walkers up there. Well, again, it's the winter. The, the skywalk uh-huh. system here is is fairly you can, nice. You can get far. Yeah, yeah, it's a long haul. So I could see that if you're you know a little bit older, it gives you a place to walk, some cool yeah. things to see, people in the pickleball courts. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Blammer goes to Woodman's, and Woodman's is huge. Oh, yeah. It's a great place to take laps. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Speaking speaking of a place like Woodman's, too, make sure you're picking up. Next time you head to the grocery store, make sure you're picking up Palermo's because they have so many different brands. They're going to have a pizza for your taste because they have so many different brands under their umbrella. Palermo's, Urban Pie, Connie's. From the hit surfer, uh, from the hit Netflix series Stranger Things, Surfer Boy Pizza, and of course the old standby Screaming Sicilian. Now, I, right now in my uh, in my freezer, I've got a couple different kinds. I've got an Urban Pie Margarita Pizza. I've got a Primo Thin, which is great if you're a little more calorie conscious. Also has a good cheese pizza. I like to have a couple different cheese pizzas at my disposal when we hit the Lent season. But I also want to have you know the Screaming Sicilian. If you have um, so many different brands within that. Maybe you like a thin and crispy. Maybe you like the stuffed crust pizza. They have a pizza for your appetite. That's the great thing about Palermo's. And because they've been doing this for over f- for 60 years, of course, you know the quality is going to be there when you see Palermo's on the box. Find them in your grocer's frozen food aisle. Palermo's is Wisconsin's hometown pizza. This is Jen, Gabe, and Chewy. Uh, I, you know, I'm going to go with the corn dog. The old corn dog. Um, the corn dog for the Brogies and borscht all day long. That's just crazy. Nobody likes borscht, oh, let alone God, on their it's birthday. It's so good. It's the only thing that makes my mouth water, other than my wife. On 94.5 ESPN. Next hangout spa is found right in Waukesha. Chew Club of Wisconsin is the perfect place to catch a game, play some games, and grab a drink. Bocce courts, dartboards, foosball tables, and of course, pool tables. Ten of them. Plus, the Q Club of Wisconsin has its best fish fries on Wednesdays and Friday nights, and you know they just pile it high. Check out the live music Saturday and stop in for brunch every weekend starting at 9 a.m. It's all happening at the Q Club of Wisconsin on North Grandview Boulevard in Waukesha. Visit qclubwi.com or like them on Facebook.
The NFL Competition Committee isn't going to have anything this week, but maybe relatively soon, to propose for potential rule changes to the NFL for the 2024 season. Owners' meetings happen later in March, and that's when all of these things would end up being voted on. But there are two things that kind of popped up over the weekend, Chew, that the competition committee is at least considering. Again, they haven't necessarily put these up for votes anywhere. But the two things are, number one, the kickoff. The NFL's tried to figure out a way to keep the kickoff in the game, yet somehow make it safer. I believe it was a record low number of kickoff returns across the league this year because most teams don't have somebody like Keyshawn Nixon where you feel like, okay, you can bring it out, take the game because you're going to get near the 25. Most teams, even a lot of teams, were just fear-catching shorter kickoffs to bring the ball out to the 25-yard line. And they're considering the XFL rule. Are you familiar with this? I am not. So the XFL rule for kickoffs, which is not going to be used in spring football this year, the first year of the UFL, but was used in the XFL last season. Uh, So you have the kickoff from the 30, but the kicker is by himself. The rest of the team is lined up on the opponent's 35, five yards apart from the other 10 guys as well. So you have 10 guys on the 35, 10 guys on the 30. You've got the the kicker back at his 30, and then nobody can move. Uh, in terms of the uh, you know the other twenty guys until the kickoff is caught, and then they brought touchbacks back out to the thirty five yard line because they wanted to encourage returns. Is that something you could get into? Mm. It looks a little funky. I will say that if you watch any XFL yeah. games, it looks funky. But I think in in practice, it might be the best way to do it if you're looking to make the kickoff safer. Should they just do away with it and give? Or do you create a competition with the kicker? You make a bullseye, and if he shanks it or puts it outside of the bullseye, then the other team gets the ball at the 40. If he nails the bullseye, then they get the ball at the 20. I I don't think you can get rid of the kickoffs in in kickoff returns just because it gives you an opportunity where if you decide to invest in that area, where you can get an advantage. It's what the Packers have been able to do the last couple of years. Like Instead of everybody just starting at the 25, like, I think it gives you an opportunity if you have a good kickoff returner and you're down late. Well, if he brings the ball out to the 35 or 40 yard line, now you've got a shorter yarded, you know, you've got a shorter field to work with in order to tie up or take the lead or, or whatever the late game situation is. I think it, I, I do not want to see the kickoff go away. I don't, but I mean, if there's going to be less kickoffs even in this next upcoming year, what's the value of bringing back a Keyshawn Nixon? I mean, I know he's an okay. What would you call him? An okay, yeah, nickel guy or dime, yeah. But I mean, he's it, it, w- without the kickoff return. Then he's just a guy, right? Yeah, he's yeah, he's just a guy as a defender. He's he's a special. He's special with the ball in his hands as a returner. And I think that's I mean, what you pay it, for. Is, is it that unsafe? I mean, are there a lot more concussions on kickoff return as opposed to other special teams? I think there are. I think they've done a good job of minimizing it, but it's still deemed an unsafe play because, again, you've got guys running down the field and then the contact happening after they have all that momentum of running down the field happening. I believe, if I remember this correctly, and I'll look it up, but I'm pretty sure the the concussions number were similar, similar. It's just that there was more of those big injuries as like general health things because of the rate of speed. I don't believe like the heads were more at risk is was my understanding. And it's also a visual thing, which is very important to the NFL with the appearance of how it looks. Somebody running 30, 
like they did away with the uh, what was it the wedge? Yeah, that, yeah, that used you to can't happen. Have, I don't think you can have any player shoulder to shoulder. I know they went from four to two because yeah. I used to be in that back wedge, and let me tell you what. It was not fun. Well, because then you had a wedge buster, right? You had a guy had a that was just <laughs> just yeah. running and throwing his body at the wedge to try to break it up. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, what percentage of kickoffs now are going outside of the end zone anyways? 80%? Yeah, I mean, most of them are touchbacks, yes. It was a record I low mean, number of kickoffs. But again... It's it, a, it, but it's a violent game, Gabe. That, that's what I'm saying. I, like, I, I get, you know, trying to make it as safe as possible, but there's there, without putting flags on a guy... Mm-hmm. Still got to well, have some physicality. So that's where this other rule that they're... I, I don't know how they do this. I don't think they can do this. Are you familiar with what a hip drop tackle is? Yeah, you showed me, I think. So in this uh, article from Pro Football Talk, it, this describes a hip drop tackle occurs when a tackler pulls down a ball carrier while dropping his weight onto its legs. Uh, it has caused several notable injuries, and Judy Batista of NFL Media reports that the competition committee is, quote, aligned in eliminating it from the NFL. However, the Players Association, Chew, is against this rule. Because, again, outside of that, I mean, you can Google hip, hip drop tackle and see it. I don't know how you can determine what's not a hip drop tackle and what is yeah. a hip drop tackle. Like you said, this is a violent game. Getting other grown men to the ground requires force. Yes. And I this if they if they somehow push this one through, mm. the first two weeks of the NFL are going to be unwatchable because there are going to be so many damn flags yeah, where right. they're trying to figure out what yeah. this rule is. Yeah, and I mean you get into compromise uh, positions as a tackler. Where at times you you have to do whatever you can to get the player on the ground. Yep. I don't know. I mean, it's very similar to the horse collar, right? Well, the horse collar at least is like I can I know what a horse collar is, right? It's when yeah. you, you you're reaching around and you're, you're you're reaching, you know, you're reaching to try to grab. Sure. Whereas this, like, you're engaged with the 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 guy already, and you could just tackle a guy normally and be putting your weight on his legs. And now that's somebody, the, the one official from one angle is going to say, oh, that's yeah. hip draw tackle, and next thing you know, you're penalized 10 or 15 yards or whatever they decide for, to do for for, for me, this game, which is a lot different than when I played it, has enough explosive plays in it. Would you agree? Yes. I don't need any more explosive plays. And that's all that's gonna. this is going to create. Yeah. It's just going to create more explosive plays. Well, because I feel like these hip drop tackles happen a lot when you're in pursuit, when you're trying to get an angle on someone, when you're trying to chase them down downfield. So it's like, okay, how do I tackle this person now when I'm running side-by-side with them trying to tackle you? I know. It's just where does it end, you know? I, I, where do, and then they're going to be on to the next Well, because the, again— they, These players can't tackle as it is. The NFL, Chew, there are going to be injuries. We're yes. not going to be able to get rid of them all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so much for, and I know Bakhtiari was a big part of the uh, uproar when it comes to um, artificial fields. And I just see on the ticker that the Bengals are going to a a turf field. So, so much for the NFL. (laughs) I I mean, it's almost laughable when you think about it. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. It absolutely is. I mean, there's going to be injuries no matter what you do. Yeah, and, and I don't point. think you can legislate it out of the game. It's part of, like, the physicality, I think, is also a part of the attraction of the NFL. Yeah. Has been for a long time. 
Now, I feel like people are going to come at me and say that's not the case for whatever reason. You, you're not allowed to say that part out loud, that yeah. the physicality of the NFL is something that, that people enjoy. I mean, it's something we used to celebrate. I understand why we don't celebrate it anymore. You know, when I think of the the jacked up segment that used to happen as part of Monday Night Countdown on ESPN. But that was all about the head game. Yes, 100%. 100%. And, and it's great. I agree 100%. with them ha- having had multiple, multiple concussions. Yep. They addressed that. They did a nice job with it. But let's uh, enough yeah. already. The physical nature of the of the NFL, yeah. you're not going to be able to get rid of it. It's just yeah. not. It's just not a part of it. I agree. Golf lovers, listen up because we've got the opportunity of a lifetime for you. We're heading over to Scotland. That's right. On the tee, heading over to Scotland this October with our friends at Wisconsin Golf Trips. Join me and Stephen Watson. We'll head overseas to play some historic and highly ranked golf courses like Dumbarney Links, Carnoustie, Kings Barnes. Also going to play the Jubilee Anew and the Castle Course. This package includes green fees, lodging, transportation, and more. There are only a limited amount of spots available, so sign up now. How do you sign up? Well, it's easy. Just text GOLF right now, 800-990-3776. GOLF, G-O-L-F, 800-990-3776. A link will be sent to you. You can get the full itinerary, see all the things we're doing, see the dates that we're going to be in Scotland, and there's also a button at the bottom of the page where you can put in your deposit to secure your spot to go to Scotland with myself and Stephen Watson at On the Tee in Wisconsin Golf Trips. Text GOLF to 800-990-3776. This is Jen, Gabe, and Chewy. Three sixty-three. What's that? Oh, the no. number of yards they gave up on the ground against the Philadelphia oh. Bible verse, John three sixty-three. Look it up. Tell us what it I says. Thought it was Joe three sixty-three, <laughs> and it was Thou shalt not get past me on the line of scrimmage. <laughs> on ninety-four-five ESPN. to see when fans stormed the courts in Wake Forest's win over Duke this weekend? I did. So this has led to a, a, a bigger discussion about whether court storming should be banned in college athletics because Kyle Filipowski, who is um, the starting forward center for Duke, uh, was injured as the, the fans from Wake Forest came running out there. They had suffered some sort of ankle injury, needed help getting off the courts, uh, after the game, and that has just led a wild debate online. Wild debate. They were just talking about it on Get Up for a long time about whether or not court storming should be banned. Should it be banned? No. I like it at the college level. But, I mean, you have to think of player safety. We were just talking about the NFL and their rule changes. Do you stop the game with five seconds left, get the players off the court, run the clock down and say, go ahead, have at it? Because I don't think you can without bringing in uh, a lot of security. It's very difficult to stop that, especially when you're talking about students. 100% true. So that's where I land on it. Like this whole talk of banning. So uh, John Shire, who is the head coach of Duke, after the game said it should be banned. When are we going to ban court storming? When are we going to ban that? How many times does a player have to get into something where they get punched or they get punched or they get punched and they get taunted right in their face? It's a dangerous thing. Caitlin Clark, uh, after Iowa had lost a game this year, uh, a fan kind of ran into her. She hit the deck. Obviously, she ended up being okay, was not injured, didn't miss any time. But my, my whole thought on this thing is, like, isn't court storming already banned? Like, fans are not allowed on the floor. But 
everyone just kind of, I don't know if they just look the other way, but you can't stop students from doing this. No, and I go back to when we beat Carolina at home Mm -hmm. in the NFC Championship game. They came over, and they had mounted police there. Sure. Because they were anticipating this, but they said um, anyone before the end of the game, anyone on the field after the game has ended will lose your season tickets or your privileges of going to a game. Sure. I kind of I get that at the – Pro level, yep. Like it should be banned from that standpoint, just for player safety. Um, but I, I don't know. I like it in college football and college basketball. So I mean, that's a fun environment. So that's that's my thing, too. Is I just don't see it. I don't see how you stop this. Like if students decide that they like, what are some actual practical solutions to stop an entire section and sections? Because a lot of times at these college arenas, they're on both ends now, right? It's not just, yeah. oh, they're under this one hoop. No, they're under that hoop and they're under that hoop. Yeah. So now they're coming from two directions on both baselines as they were in, in at Wake Forest for this game. What are practical solutions to stop that? Because if they want to go, you're not stopping them. In a college football game this year, after Kansas beat, uh, I believe it was Oklahoma, who was a top 10 team at the time. We all remember, do you remember what happened there? Kansas rushes the field. They took the goalposts down, and that wasn't enough. They then yeah. took the goalpost out of the stadium and threw it on a pond on campus, like if, <laughs> which was hilarious. We talked about it at the time. It was cool. It was awesome. Yeah. But like, if if these students decide they're doing something, they're gonna do it. They're gonna do it. I, I don't yeah. know any actual practical solutions to do this. And I'm with you. Players say like there should be a way that you can figure out safely to get players off the floor because like losing a game in a hostile environment like that like part of the punishment shouldn't be injury right so you got to figure out a way to you know that I agree with you player safety you have to do it but I just don't know if there's a practical way to do it other than just hope that the students rushing on the floor are want to get to their team as quickly as possible to celebrate and aren't going to try to take some cheap shot at an opposing player well I wouldn't think I mean I I, I get it I would just take the revisiting team off the floor because if I was part of the Wake Forest team, I don't want to go in the locker room, right? Oh, 100%. You want to celebrate yes. with the students, but I don't know. Do you make an announcement saying any act, any interaction um, with a visiting player or something along those lines because we are going to videotape it will result in arrest? Yeah, I mean, you can... And could... I, don't think, I don't think the fan at, at Wake Forest did anything intentional it didn't. To the Duke player. It did not seem like that to me either. And depending upon, I I, I don't know. I'm, I I think all the contact there was incidental. And anybody who's trying to slow it down and say, "Oh, Filipowski was trying to trip this fan," I think he's making an argument in bad faith because I don't know if you can definitively say that. If you shorten the clip just enough and you start it where his leg is out because he's trying to take you know, a step forward so he can get off the court. Does it look like he might be trying to trip someone? Yes, but I don't know if you can definitively link that argument yeah. one way or the other. Um, but you have to find a way, yes, to get that 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 opposing team off the floor safely. I, I think you just go to the, the visiting coach and say, do you want us to stop the game with five seconds left to remove the players from, from the court? Yeah. And, and look, sometimes with five seconds left, like the game's not over. Now, this one was, I think it was like yeah. a five-point lead or whatever, and, and the, the students started running on the floor before zero was were on the clock, so that was part of the issue. 
But I don't think you can stop court ban- court storming in college athletics. I just don't think you can. Because too many students now have seen it happen, and they want to do it. Yes. Like, it doesn't happen. You're not, you're not, that's not guaranteed to be part of your, your student experience. I think of Marquette. I think the only time that they've rushed the floor was, I mean, was that back in 2017, I want to say? Again, Seven so. years ago when they, they beat number one Villanova. Nova was okay. coming off of uh, winning the national championship. They were the number one ranked team. Marquette won a close one. Like, Jalen Brunson had a chance at a layup, missed it late. And Marquette grabbed the rebound, and then, you know, the students rushed on the floor. You beat the number one team in the country, you're on the floor, that's the way it happens. But that's what, I mean, students are anticipating that. They want to have that opportunity to rush out there on the floor if you pull off that upset. So, I I I don't see it going anywhere. I I think the bigger discussion, Gabe, is what is rushing the court etiquette. When are you allowed to rush the court? Now, clearly in this situation, yes. Wake Forest not even ranked beating, what was Duke? Number eight. Yeah, I mean that's rushable, I guess. Yeah. Duke has the blue blood thing too. Yeah, they, which they've is, got that. Yes, they're they're more rushable than say. Well, they bring in Arizona. Themselves. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, and that's another part I was going to add here. Uh, John Shire and Duke being the messenger of we need this to change. You're not going to win a lot of favor from no general fans. I, no, I agree. No. Yeah, it's it's the wrong. <laughs> it's it's coming from the wrong place. Yes, uh, I would also say like some sort of. Exciting shot. Like if, let's say in three years, uh, Wisconsin's, you know, hovering around the top 10, but Marquette beats them inside five serve forum on a last second shot. You know, somebody hits a three at the buzzer. Yeah, rush away. You know, an exciting shot against a rival. I think you can run on the floor. I think that fits it. Because because it's all about the excitement of the moment. So if you hit that game-winning shot as the clock hits zeros, I think running out of the floor is okay as well. But yeah, usually it's going to be you know top. If if you're if you're Duke, Kentucky, UNC, chances are if you're top ten. Otherwise, probably top five. Do they do it in high school? I know you do a lot of base uh, or used to do a lot of basketball games. Uh, no, I don't think so. As I say, it, I've seen it happen. It seems rare. Yeah, because for the most part, like I mean, if if you're going to a, your your high school's game, like everybody knows, yeah, you know. Some some teacher's going to be able to recognize you if they don't want you doing it. Mr. Yeah. Johnson can easily bring those ramifications <laughs> yeah. to uh, Homauer the yeah. next day. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've seen it at, when, when they do the state championships at the Kohl Center, they'll usually have, like, two teachers hold, yeah. like, a rope to prevent the students, which isn't really preventing <laughs> yeah. anybody from doing anything, but it's really the two teachers where if they see you run out there, then yeah. you know you're going to get in trouble. Detention. Yeah, there, there's going to be some sort of uh, yeah repercussions to that. Uh, right now is the chance for you to win some of these Greater Milwaukee Golf Show tickets. It's presented by Old Fashioned Golf. It's returning this Friday, March 1st. It runs through Sunday, March 3rd. At a new location this year, Mosh Performance Center in Lux Golf Base. First 1,000 people each day get a free sleeve of golf balls. It's the Greater Milwaukee Golf Show, March 1st to the 3rd at Mosh and Lux Golf Base in Franklin, of course, now it has free parking. Visit RoyalGolfShows.com and save $5 on advanced tickets or be Caller 5 right now, 800-990-3776, and win two free tickets to the Greater Milwaukee Golf Show. Caller 5, two tickets to the Greater Milwaukee Golf Show, which begins on Friday, presented by Old Fashioned Golf. 
You are listening to Jen, Gabe, and Chewy. I mean, this world is geared towards women. <laughs> like, Whoa, what do I am get? stepping away from this? Goodbye. Like, what do we get? They get a comb that dries your hair. We get a stupid razor. Hey, I mean, I what's mean, the coolest thing we get? Um, they get the hair dryer <laughs> control on 94.5 ESPN. Here we go. One poll on the poll today. With the NFL increasing uh, salary cap by $30 million in 2024, do you expect the Green Bay Packers to be spenders in free agency? 70% of people still saying no. Which is fair. I mean, that's kind of how we've yeah. been conditioned as Packer fans. As I say, that feels like conditioning. Yeah. I did want to ask I did want to ask that because I think later uh, we can ask, do you want them to? And we'd be interested to see how much that number is. Yeah. Because also some people have... Uh, some portion of the Packers fan have decided that, like the Packers, it's useless in free agency, which is not really the case. You can get better through free agency. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to you know, exclusively spend through free agency, but a little right. here and there. It's not a bad thing. Certainly has been helpful for the Packers at times. Uh, Ronnie L., uh, as based on our last conversation we had about court storming, also texted this. If you don't want the court storm, then don't get upset. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. No sympathy for Duke. When you're a perennial contender, you should prepare for your team how to handle a court-storming. Look, the fans ran on the floor. Zeros had yet to hit the clock. I, I understand this, but like, also, it's not as easy as just going, oh, we're not going to get upset today. It's just not how sports work. Mm-mm. And like, what do you mean? Consequence, yeah. Like, and, and look, I understand if you don't have any sympathy for Duke, because they're Duke. Mm-hmm. I get it, right? But at the same time... The consequence of losing a game on the road should not be injury. I feel like yeah, this is no, something yeah. we can get behind. Yeah. Right? Like, there's there's just got to be a better way to do it. Or maybe there's not. I, I honestly don't know. I just think that the, the comments of banned stor- court storming, it's just frivolous. Like, we just can't, you can't actually do it. Mm-hmm. Does the NCAA do anything good? No. God, no. Okay. Absolutely not. Uh, just check it. Yeah, no. I'm... Hold the umbrella of the sports we like to watch. Yeah. <laughs> Other than that, no. <laughs> Will the Tausch. They're coming up next. 94.5 ESPN.